Hello, it's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. I continue to support the creative community through this crisis with all sessions now on video and phone calls. For details, please check threadup.co.uk. You can also find details of free check-ins I offer on my Twitter at threadup underscore and on Instagram and Facebook at threadup. Please share this. Somebody out there might need it. Stay safe and let's get through it together. Welcome to Psychomedy Daily Dose, the spin-off series of short episodes of Psychomedy. During this time of shutdown of the live comedy circuit due to coronavirus, I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And three times a week now, on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, I'm going to be talking with a different comedian about the current situation, along with passing on some hopefully really helpful and positive strategies and coping mechanisms from the counselling professionals we partner with at threadup.co.uk. They're there to support you, and if you'd like to support this podcast, if you're enjoying what we're doing, please go to patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. I'm hoping that by sharing experiences and some positivity with comedians, we can all get through this together in the best possible way. Joining me on Psychomedy, it's Brendan Burns. Brendan, hello. Hello, Nathan. You look well. So do you, man. So do you. How are you? We've just been speaking. So how you are is a complex issue in itself, is it not? Uh, yeah, it is. It is. But I also am doing better in lockdown than most. But I think, and, and at first I was actually feeling pretty guilty about it. But then as uh, several people pointed out to me, I'm probably owed a bit of luck. So uh, they're like, yeah. nah, fuck it. Take it. You're fine. Yeah, I saw your beautiful vista there, looking out onto the Melbourne skyline, uh, and I was about to say, think, you've got it all going on, Brendan, it's all good news for you, and then, uh, well, yeah. When, uh, yeah, when the lockdown started, I was in South Bank, uh, overlooking the Melbourne city, uh, uh, I've got, like, I've got this beautiful vista of a morning, and I get the sunrises as well, mm. and it feels odd that... I was already making the transition from stand-up into screenwriting. Although, as we may later divulge, I'm still not even sure if that was my idea or not. Uh, and we'll get, yeah, let's put a pit in that for now. And uh, so I was, yeah, staying at just an apartment um, because uh, my son lives in Melbourne, and I was between my hometown of Perth and visiting him here and on my way to New York, and then coronavirus hit. Yeah. And, uh, and my brother's done a lot of work throughout uh, the Middle East and Asia and uh, Africa and West Africa, and the first thing he was saying to me as well was, this is a, a strain, this is a version of SARS, and he's like, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere because SARS hit pigs, and pigs' DNA is way too close to ours, and this is going to be bad. And his kids, his kids were already kind of uh, all around the world with their various jobs, so he was already working to getting them in one place. So thank fuck when lockdown happens... I was about to jump on a plane and go to New York. Yeah. And then I would have literally landed in New York when 
that's that that's what my plans were and this all happened in the space of a week i would have landed in new york and all gigs would have been cancelled because <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking i might you know go to new york and just get back into stand up and just finish my scripts yeah uh, but i find as a writer that i really struggle to do both i like to be up sunrise is important for me mm. intellectually and psychologically and i find that my morning brain is the most active the most creative it's obviously uh uh you you've accessed far more subconscious and unconscious and often you know so much script writing involves problem solving yeah. and yeah. And I think your brain is doing that while you're asleep with a lot of things, as long as you plant that seed. You can probably see on my windows here. I don't know, but it just this this place is all windows, so uh, it's written. It's it's a great little whiteboard. Oh yeah, nice. Got a nice little three season arc. Yeah. To just me. So what are you what are you working on? What are you writing? Uh, I just finished a sitcom that I wa I've been working on for years that uh, actually was in development in 2012. And then uh, a writer of a show that I really respect and look up to uh, had taken a bit of a shine to me and, and acted as a bit of a mentor. Mm. Was that and, was that Jimmy? Jimmy. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I listened to the um, I listened to the last episode of the Dumb White um, Guy podcast and your your chat with him at oh the end of that. God, did you did you listen to the final series? I listened to the final episode. I mean, if you want to just talk about that for a sec, I mean, just straight off the bat, I just thought that was. I mean, I don't consume much media. Strangely, I don't consume. I create a lot of me, you know, stuff. I don't consume a lot of TV or podcasts, um, but my goodness i'm going to consume that because uh i just thought that was incredible uh that um so i listened to that two-hour episode i just thought it was really incredible man just the whole the whole journey was clearly incredible but the way you've done that i think is uh just incredible like a true a true artist you know a true artist for me is someone that like makes their mark on the world does stuff that no one else has done and you've done that here, man. I think it's great. I think it's great. Really? I yeah. can't remember the final one that much. All I know is that final series, now in hindsight, knowing what I do, mm. uh, is actually a cry for help. Mm. That I don't... Fuck it. I don't have issues with reality. The Arizona getting stranded, all of that shit was actually just a desperate attempt to remind myself that I, what a capable individual I was. So I went, always been a bit of an extreme individual. So I went down the Grand Canyon and got a fucking <laughs> non four wheel drive SUV stranded in a ravine <laughs> just to see if I could get it out. Man, it was incredible. I mean, just like, yeah, knowing the additional layer of what you were going through as well. But God, ah, it's just, even without that, it. it just an incredible story and now with that extra layer it's like oh my god i could be speaking to you for 10 hours and we wouldn't 
we wouldn't get drilled down into what was going on there, probably, would we? Well, lockdown, no. It's uh, Well, I mean, I'm not going to try and address someone else's madness, I mm. think, because that is part of the torturing structure. Mm. Uh, and it's textbook, textbook stuff. And I think also that final series is a great, a great deal of that is almost part of the awakening. You know, it takes a thousand things to drive you insane, I believe I said. Yeah. And it takes a thousand things to bring you back. And because I was recording so much stuff and taking photos and writing things down and as I was documenting everything and, and was under the impression that I was having some sort of mushroom flashback, I only realize this now in hindsight. This is the first time I've said this out loud publicly because it's been six months of uh, intensive PTSD treatment and un- undoing of it. Uh, uh, but I guess it was fortuitous because when you're documenting and recording everything, slowly but surely you realize, wait a minute, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. And then if you do look it up, everything you're told is start making notes, start writing shit down. And so I did. And that was really quite harrowing. As I say, that that I mean what I've heard is incredible. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it more now. It's uh just the way yeah, I mean, God, the whole thing, the whole thing, the the fact that you, I mean, I'm obviously reevaluating it now, but the fact that you undertook that adventure, but the way you just recorded it and the way you talk about it in such beautiful detail, you know, how your skin feels and how your hair felt at particular moments, it's just beautiful. And you couldn't have recorded all those things. The way you recall things is 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 beautiful on the podcast. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. But you'd only heard the final episode. Yeah, I, as I say, I don't consume uh, much not media. The final so not... series, because I no. think the skin, the getting in an argument with me dad. Uh, did you hear that? That's bit? there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's, that's in, the in the final episode. Yeah, the final episode is like two hours long. He's getting oh, onto two two hours I long. Such a good job with that. You can get everything on or sound. Yeah. Uh, yeah. for a one-time price, I think. Um, you could hear uh, my voice. You can hear in my voice my mind fighting for supremacy, for re-ownership of itself, uh, that someone had dug their claws in very, very deep. And it was strange. You become aware of how powerful your mind is because my long-term memory was almost superhuman. And yet I could not tell whether I'd had a shower five minutes earlier or not. Mm. Well, what is powerful? Okay. What is powerful is, is once you're in, once you're in this situation, when you're in this situation, and as you say, it's so common. When you're in this situation, you just don't realize it. It's drip, drip. You didn't realize it. It's only afterwards yes. you think, how, how did I miss this? Then you start finding out about it. You think, oh, you're in that situation. You've been in that situation, and you were in that situation for 13 years. And I'm sure how powerful it would have been, you know, for you eight, 10 years ago to see this and you'd have had a different 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose that's when kind of the delusion of defining by hindsight, which I still on some level, 
I've seen how easily reality can strip away. And I've seen what the mind is capable of conjuring. Mm. And I find, okay, forgive me if it sounds like shtick. I often say this on podcasts, but I find reality a bit far-fetched. <laughs> Particularly now. And I'm like, come on. Trump president, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. For me, it started at Schwarzenegger as governor. <laughs> and then it just got more and more unrealistic. And you've got to understand, I went to rehab for mushrooms and I'm still not entirely convinced I've come down. <laughs> And but how I cope with with all that being said, how I do the that I don't wind up in the stasis of victimhood of shoulda, woulda, coulda, if only, if only you look where I was, where I was going, and then what the fuck happened? Uh, and it left a lot of people going, what the fuck happened? Um, uh, but maybe it's my job and particular skill set that the only thing I've ever really been very good at is taking horrible things and turning them into something funny and beautiful. That's really my only skill. It's a skill, the skill that I've had since the age of fucking whatever the fuck, uh, since I was a kid, apparently. Yeah. Uh, uh, everyone has something that they're, they're, that they're good at. So maybe... You have a choice. You, you, you do have a choice. You don't have to keep it can be a good thing that you're not going to mine it. You know, there are several reasons not to do that. Um, I did exactly the same thing when I went through something. I thought, well, I've got to write about this. I've got to talk about this. Then I started writing about it. I started talking about it in stand up briefly. And uh, I did a show which mentioned it. And then it went really well. And I said to my producer at the end, I came off stage and I said, I never, ever doing that show again i built it up for the leicester comedy festival a couple of years ago i said i'm never ever doing that show again he was like what are you talking about it went really well i'm like i just don't want to talk about that ever again that's gone and now uh, i so relate because i felt so light after that yeah i just I, felt that a weight had, had been lifted and my show subsequently to that it got nominated at the ironically at the leicester comedy festival for best show this year it became something that was so uplifting something that was mining what I was going through without talking about it directly. So actually mining the feeling of being out of it, mining the lightness um, became a show where for the first time people were coming up to me and using the word uplifting. That's such an uplifting show. You've, you've given me such hope and they don't even know where it came from. So yeah, it's a great idea. It's, I've, always, I, I've had a rule for a long time, ever since the trilogy of don't turn anything into stand-up until you've uh, processed it in real life first. Yeah. And one thing I would say is that you say you've recorded things and you've got the truth there recorded for anyone that would want to see it. In my experience, a lot of people will see that evidence, will hear it, and they won't hear it. They won't want to see it. So it will mean nothing. So if you can move on from it without having to go down that road, 
the lightness that you feel now, the happiness that you're away from it, if you don't have to revisit it. Or prove that, it. That could be the, yeah, that could be the way to go. Again, I guess the only reason that I have discussed this here is I really don't want to be the guy that when you go, so how are you coping with lockdown? And I'm just like, great. I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah. it. No, talking about it here is fine because it's part of the process. But I just mean, if you can, um, as you say, if, if, if you make that decision that you're not going to use it in other hours, then that could be the right decision for you. Because and also if you if you make the decision that you're not going to use the evidence that you have to show to people to say, look, this is what happened. People just will look at it, will see black and uh, they'll tell you it's white. You uh, you will show the same thing to different people and they will see it totally differently so if you can move on without having to show it to anyone if you've got the truth inside of you and can move on from it both as a and as a person creatively i truly believe that is uh, a great way you know you don't have to go down that road you can want to go down the other road you can want to know no i need i need people to see the truth i need i need people to do this but what benefit that is going to bring to you is questionable. You know, if you're feeling free of it now and you can every day becomes easier, every day becomes better, then that could be the route for you. You know, as you said, I'm not going to turn it into one thing. It will inform a lot. Yeah. 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 Use the emotions from it to inform other things. Yeah. And I think I'll probably turn it into 20 other things, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, although Ollie Horn had the best one which was unconsciously the first time I got on stage and talked about it, mm. uh, there was almost a catchphrase in the hour that unconsciously I kept on saying that there were touchstones where I kept on saying to myself, what the fuck happened? I used to be Brendan fucking Burns. <laughs> and I, and he, he begged me. He said, if you do an hour, I'm begging you <laughs> to call it I used to be Brendan fucking Burns. <laughs> Well, that's it. It's like anyone that sees you do stand up now, and I'm sure you're going to do some stand up very soon, even if you don't talk about it at all. The fact that you've talked about it or people know about this, it's people are just going to see you in a completely different light. Even if you're talking about something completely different, if you're talking about joy and happiness, they'll know it's coming from a place of you are finally joyful and happy. You don't even have to talk about the reason why you are, you know, because well, people will know that. Not that your stand up or your career should make any difference, but it, but it does in a way because people will think they know you and people think they, you know, they will have one view on it on you that is incredibly polarized. And this totally makes people reevaluate everything that they've seen that you've ever put out, probably. Like yeah. to this day, I still once a week get people messaging me about sober, not clean. And then saying it changed their life, it helped them. Yeah. Um, stand-up's the most selfish of all the art forms. Uh, but the the reason it works is there's a generosity of spirit and enough neediness there that the payoff is that the audience gets to laugh with or at you and release endorphins. Because mm. if they weren't, we would be insufferable. It is the only art form that is basically saying... I am so interesting that we're going to sit in a room for an hour and listen to what the fuck I reckon. <laughs> like, like, actually, these days, there is one thing, one thing that is more selfish and even less altruistic, and that's right-wing pundits. 
<laughs> Right-wing pundits go on the road now and do live talks. And, I mean, there's the odd laugh. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you... What? Glenn Beck live? What? What? <laughs> Alex Jones. Alex Jones is the only thing more selfish <laughs> than stand-up comedy. <laughs> Yeah. Which, which at the very core of it is, I know what's really going on, and you will be more informed from watching me. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm not even going to give you a laugh at the end of it. Um. Uh, yeah, but then again, he does get, you know, he does, he did say, you know, in court that he's an entertainer and he's just doing it, you know, that it's a character. Um, yeah, and like a pro wrestler, he, fuck, what a gimmick, <laughs> hey, <laughs> fuck Daniel Day-Lewis, oh, I pretended to be in a wheelchair for a couple of months, fucking 50 years, cunt, <laughs> <laughs> that's like, uh, I was watching this the other day, that um, The Undertaker is retiring for the first time. He's, for the first time, he's doing shoot interviews as himself, as the old man. Mm. Fuck Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, my <laughs> God. If you get a chance to watch this, it's, uh, I think it's called The Last Ride or something like that. The Undertaker, The Last Ride. Right. Here is a man that for over 30 years pretended to be a zombie. <laughs> In public. At every appearance, <clears throat> protected the gimmick, would not be filmed, did not, did, only ever did shoot interviews when he had adjusted his character slightly where he was uh, a biker character for a couple of years. <laughs> and then the rest went back into being a phenom. <laughs> and this is in a post-kayfabe era. <laughs> and managed to get people to respect that he's apparently dead. <laughs> And for the first time ever, he's actually started doing interviews and he's this frail, kind, softly spoken old man that's really, really damaged because also for 30 years, he had to pretend to be impervious to pain <laughs> while taking 300-pound men and pile-driving them, taking both of their weight and putting it on his fucking knees. And he's nearly 60. <laughs> And, and and basically has to pretend that he he doesn't have like six fucking metal thighs. <laughs> Fuck you, Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, I had a slopey face for a month. Fuck off, cunt. <laughs> that is method acting. <laughs> I realised it is the most impressive performance in the history of performing <laughs> but i'm not going to give alex jones that he's just been a cunt <laughs> i'm glad that we just started talking about performing and psychology of performing and something that had nothing to do with it yeah yeah well that was great that i mean at the end there you could just see the the lightness and the uh, the future and yeah if you've been writing about things that aren't that it's so difficult to get laughs out of what you've been through that if you're oh, using that emotion i will say one other thing as well i want to yeah. actually i will leave with this okay 
And this is just a crazy mind at work, but sometimes you see things that no one else does. Two things are happening at once. And again, I don't quite buy reality. Mm. And I'm not going to go to America anytime soon because two things have happened concurrently and no one is marrying them. And that's scary to me. Everyone keeps talking about Tiger King. <laughs> Everyone has seen Tiger King. It has gone beyond viral. It is the most viral show in the history of fucking viral. Yeah. And there's a, and there's a thing that they say at the beginning of Tiger King that everyone seems to overlook. And it's really the only thing they should be taking away from it. And that is, it says, the statistic, there are more tigers and big cats in captivity in America than there are tigers, uh, than there are tigers yeah. uh, in the world. Yeah. There's a little caveat to that. There's absolutely more tigers and big cats in Texas than there are. That number is still bigger. Mm. You look at these cages. You look at these keepers. Everyone's indoors already in this city. I have seen animals change their behavior. You can't walk into Melbourne now. And bearing in mind, I'm Australian. We look at the food chain and the ecosystem a lot different. And everyone keeps saying, this is going to let us know what we are as a society. No, motherfucker. This is going to let you know where you are in the food chain. This is going to define what you are as a species. Because we keep on talking about the end of the world. The world ain't going fucking anywhere. And already in this city, I walk into town. It's a ghost town. It's a ghost town. Melbourne is a ghost town. The suburbs are fucking alive and people are wandering around in parks. But no one is in the city. And every day I'm watching people get attacked by seagulls. I mean, I don't just mean bothering them. I mean, they are physically attacked because there's no scraps. And animals are changing their behavior. What the fuck do you think's going to happen when those cats don't have meat? And everyone's like, well, they'll just get killed by their owners. And I was like, did you see the cages, you dumb cunts? Do you not understand what a big cat is? When a big cat doesn't get fed and there's 20 of them, I don't care how many semi-automatics you have, uh, how many semi-automatics a fucking gay captain, fucking weird cunt in leather trousers has, him and his friends are going down. America is about to be Africa. I don't mean a tiger in Africa, but I mean there are certain subsections of America and people laugh at this notion, but fuck me, I'm right. <laughs> fuck me, I'm right. If seagulls are attacking people in <laughs> Melbourne after two fucking weeks and your meat has run out, you're about to be prey. <laughs> like, okay, so it's not, I mean, as in like, you're going to be on a food chain. So, okay, America's about to be India. Like, you, you've seen those videos of people riding on fucking mopeds and a tiger comes out of the fucking jungle and chases them. Like, you're going to, like, good luck getting to work. Uh, you're about to, like, everything you thought was important is about to fuck off. 
<laughs> when you're on the food chain and you're not at the top anymore. <laughs> and we worship cats. <laughs> we still worship cats. And domestic cats and dogs, they're done. <laughs> they're done because they, they're, they're going to catch coronavirus and die. They're going to fucking spread it. Get ready, cat people. <laughs> I give it a few million years. Cat people. If we keep on looking into the future and see those aliens with big skulls and fucking <laughs> black eyes. And I can't help but feel that anytime they're portrayed, it's like, that's not aliens, that's us coming back from the future. Going, <laughs> right, you all died. And that's why the inside people look like this. <laughs> Already, everyone inside, like, is halfway there to our depiction of aliens. And it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They've got dull fucking black eyes. They're fucking <laughs> pale and pasty with their long fucking fingers and extra dexterous fucking thumbs. <laughs> aliens. Fucking, it's not aliens. It's us coming back from the future going, fucking uh, pandemic and cat people everywhere outside. Look out. <laughs> and you can have the best view of this from your penthouse in Melbourne. You can watch it all oh, unfold. Yeah. I'll be above the clouds writing about it. <laughs> That's my next. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, just, just say what you see, man. Um, just, it's going to begin as a documentary, like Idiocracy. <laughs> Here's yeah. all the warning signs these cunts didn't notice. Anyway. <laughs> thank you so much, Brendan. What a. Um, hey, thank you. I didn't know I was going to talk about this today, but uh, it feels good. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Keep well. Keep on that uh, upward trajectory, as I'm sure you will. As I'm sure you will. Brendanmerch.net. I've got a couple of albums out. Yeah. Uh, a new one soon. Uh, you can get a Patreon. There's copies of the script up there, of the uh, and uh, even table reads and all sorts of shit. You can buy that whole podcast series, can't you, for a tenner? Yeah. 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 And there's new stuff appearing on the website all the time. Um, but also, I think. Um, should I say that? I think there's people worse off than me right now. Uh, and uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. If you're interested in finding my back catalogue, it'll all be there. Um, but I think uh, money is be better spent. Uh, I, I wish I knew the names of more charities right now. Um, but yeah, if people can afford yeah. it though, man, they give to charity, then they want your albums. It's fine. It's fine to be plugging albums at this time people can if people can afford it they can afford both you know yeah yeah brendan wow thank you so much for joining me today and uh telling me that for the first time all right thanks all right, man. thank you so much the incredible brendan burns there so there is a longer version of that episode that we may put out when we revert back to the long form episodes of Psychomedy. Until then, go to brendanburns.net and there's links off to awesome.com that, as we discussed there, you can buy the whole of uh, or what's called Reality Denial, DWG, and um, listen, as I will, to that amazing story. So that is our show for today. Join us again for more Psychomedy on Saturday 
As you know by now, I'm sure we're going out Tuesday, Thursdays and Saturday. Please listen back on all these daily shows, all the main shows. Please give us a five-star review. Psychomedy is produced by Mike Hansen at Pop People Productions. Check out psychomedy.co.uk. There's mental health tips from our counselling partners at ThreadUp, who are also offering free check-ins at this time. They're there to support you if you'd like to support the podcast. It's patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. I'm Nathan Cassidy. Lots of love to you all. Stay healthy, stay optimistic. Tune back in for more Psychomedy on Saturday. Pod people.